You know, I've been wondering lately, how much of our time is spent searching for rest? Quite often when I talk to friends or those that I meet and I ask them, how are you doing? And I really want to know how they're doing. They often will say when they're honest, tired, or I just need some time off, or I need to just have some alone time. Or maybe they'll say, you know, I just need some vacation. That's all that I need. You know, we still do the two words ritual in our staff meetings once a week. And we'll go around the table and share two words about where we are in that moment. Every single week, at least one of us will say tired or exhausted or weary. It tells me a lot about where we are, especially now. There's so many pressures on us. Our jobs have changed. The responsibilities in our jobs have changed. Our very lives and the way that we live them have changed. And as a result, we're exhausted from trying to keep up. I need a vacation from my vacation. So it makes me wonder, why is rest so elusive? Why is it something that we can't seem to find or get enough of? You know, the concept of rest is all throughout our Bible. God's people searching for rest or finding rest. The disciples following Jesus to rest or watching him rest and pray. You know, the Bible talks about rest in a spiritual way, and that's called Sabbath. And we hear that word thrown around. It must be important because it's in the Bible as a discussion 147 times. So that tells me several things. It tells me that Sabbath is something that is important within the life of God's people. And it's something that we either are searching for or aren't doing well. And it also explains that this part of Sabbath keeping, of finding a holy space to encounter God and to rest in God's presence is central to who we are as Christians. You know, in the story today, um, in Mark's gospel, we have a little section about Jesus, about Jesus and the disciples in the midst of ministry, going from place to place, talking with folks, healing people, getting in and out of the boat, experiencing great weariness from all of this that they are doing and all the people they are encountering. And so Jesus says, okay, let's get in the boat. Let's go to a deserted place. We need to go and be separate. We need to go and find a place to rest. And so they do. They get in the boat and they find this place. Um, they're headed towards um, Genesaret. And they say, okay, we, we have gotten to this point where we have been so busy, we haven't even taken the time to eat food. <laughs> that is how busy they are. And so they go. And in the story, we hear about the people um, who have been searching for Jesus, who have been following the disciples, who are in desperate need of healing, desperately want to hear what this teacher has to say. And so they kind of preemptive him. And they say, oh, we see where they're going. So they go walk around and they get there before their boat does. So right as soon as they're going to have this rest time, 
The people are there waiting for them, asking for their help, asking for their healing. And so they're not really able to rest. So this section in the lectionary skips over a big portion of Mark's story of Jesus' life. We begin and we end, and all we get from this is basically the journey from here to there. And so the big chunk of scripture that is left out in the lectionary today involves two huge miracles. The feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on the water. So these two are skipped in our lectionary and it makes me wonder why would you skip over two important stories about Jesus's journey with the disciples and the people. So I started thinking about it and I thought you know if Jesus is sharing this journey with the disciples and our Christian journey mirrors this journey that sometimes our Christian life is more about the mundane, the getting from place to place, the searching for rest in this case. Because not all of our Christian walk can be these huge moments where we see huge miracles like feeding 5,000 people from next to nothing and Jesus walking on the water. So this helps me relate even more to this scripture today. It also centers on the healing of the people and the importance of compassion and the narrative of compassion being central to who we are as Christians. You know, our Christian walk together is marked by behaviors, is marked by um, leanings, is marked by um, ways in which we embody the gospel. And so even as we search for rest, there are moments in which we are drawn to have compassion. So Sabbath is a necessity yet it's elusive. It's also something that really isn't ever convenient, just like in the story with the disciples. So do we take spiritual retreat and Sabbath, or do we go to act in mercy and compassion? That's the question I feel the disciples had with Jesus, and sometimes that's what we feel as Christians. In this moment of encountering God, finding rest, do we go and do, or do we become and be? Both. I think we're led to this understanding of the workings of God, and we're at the mercy of the leanings of our heart, and the leanings of God's work within our hearts, wherever that guides us. So, where does Sabbath come from? Where does this word come from? Well, the first instance of Sabbath is in the creation story, the first one in Genesis chapter 1. So in verse 27, we hear, So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. 
and to the every to every beast on the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth everything that has breath and life I give every green plant for food and it was so God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good and there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all their multitude and on the seventh day God finished the work he had done we rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work he had done in creation. So when we think about creation, we think about the very first time that we hear about the word Sabbath or rest. It's because God has done so. God takes a moment to step back and to observe the beauty of creation and to not just rest because God is exhausted and tired, but to carve out time to wonder and to celebrate and to give thanks. So Jean-Pierre de Cassade, who's an 18th century spiritual director, says this, God reveals God's self in each moment. Christians must learn to pay attention to God's presence and surrender themselves to God's will, to have trust in God's provision. Everything turns to bread to nourish me, soap to wash me, fire to purify me, and a chisel to fashion me in the image of God. Grace supplies all my needs. So that's something that we learn about Sabbath, that it's a space to be nourished, to be washed, purified, and chiseled into the image of God. You know, several years ago, I got this book. It's called Living the Sabbath, Discovering the Rhythms of Rest and Be Light. And it's um, by Norman Wiersba, and he actually came and did a lecture and gave us for free, this clergy, this book. And you know, I've had it on my bookshelf for years, thinking I really should spend some time reading about Sabbath. It's so inviting, look at the book. I mean, it's got the hammock and the pillow and everything about it makes you want to go to this place. But because I often, maybe like you, have a hard time making space in my life to rest and to have good Sabbath time, I haven't picked this book up until I started thinking about what I should say in my sermon today. So in this book, Norman Wiersbo breaks it down um, and is really helpful in the ways in which I have come to understand the meaning of Sabbath. It says, um, another detail frequently unnoticed is that God was not quite finished with creation on the sixth day. Near the end of the story, we are told that God finished on the sixth day, but then again on the seventh. Why would there be a need to finish something twice? What would be the significance of a second finishing? Quoting from a, from a Midrash, the medieval rabbi Rashi claimed that after the six days of divine work, creation was not yet complete. What it lacked, and thus what remained to be created, was menuhan, the rest, tranquility, serenity, and the peace of God. In the biblically informed mind, Minhuah 
suggests the sort of happiness and harmony that come from things being as they ought to be. We hear the word minuah resonances with the deep word shalom. The creation of minuah is not a divine afterthought, nor should it be viewed as a passive way, as a mere withdrawal from exertion. God's rest on the seventh day did not account to pulling back, but rather a deep sympathy, harmony, and celebration with all that there was. And so delighting in the splendor of creation, God invites creatures to bask in the glory of divine life. In a most important way, therefore, the creation of Menuah gave to the whole creation its ultimate purpose and meaning. Without Menuah, creation, though beautiful, would be without an all-encompassing eternal objective, which is to participate in the life of God forever. And so at Sabbath, Menuah does, is give us a positive vision of the world's goodness, a vision in which there is no fear, distrust, or strife. There is rather a celebration of and a sharing in God's own experience of delight. So at the place in which we search for Sabbath is to find a place in which we are invited to bask in the glory of the, the divine life. And it seems to me that these moments of Sabbath are all encompassing of our Christian faith. The Sabbath as a spiritual discipline isn't only about sleeping or taking rest when we're tired or setting aside an entire day a week just to rest and do things for God. It's a state of being. It's who we are created to be, to participate in the life of creation. And participate in a space where there is peace, where there is joy, where there's deep sympathy and harmony. So when we search for Sabbath, perhaps that's what our soul is searching for. You know, Sabbath isn't just something nice that God wants us to think about in the context of creation, but it's also a commandment. If you remember, in Exodus, um, the fourth commandment is, um, in chapter 20 of Exodus, says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. So not only is it a suggestion or something that is of God and enveloped in creation, but it's a commandment. And so we must learn how to practice or to practice it better. So in our story today, Jesus attempted to take the disciples to a place of Sabbath and rest. He was seeking out the wilderness place, the place in which we are created, the place in which we are found, the place in which we are transformed and we hear and see the presence of God. But in this story, it didn't work out as they planned. 
because as soon as they arrived at this place, they were inundated with the needs of the people, the tenacity and the desire to see Jesus, to hear him, to touch him was there. And so Jesus was moved with compassion for the people and spent time with them and heard them and healed them. You know, this wasn't what their original plan was. They were headed to Bethsaida. That was where they were going to go next. But they had a detour on this journey. And they ended up in Gennesaret. And in this place, it's where they realized this is where they were needed. Perhaps their ability to see the needs of the people and respond came out of this deep awareness and connection to God. A connection to creation. Their compassion was a way to experience the peace of God together. So sometimes Sabbath isn't a solo thing. It can be something that is experienced together. We see that in our worship. We see that in time spent studying our Bibles, hearing our, each other's stories, spending time in mission and ministry with one another. And sometimes within the busynesses of our seasons, when we feel inundated with the desires and needs of others, because they need us, because we need to respond. Sometimes we feel like we're pushed to our breaking point. The needs are too great, and we are too tired to respond. Maybe we're not where God, where we had envisioned ourselves to be. But yet, this is where God has planted us. Perhaps this is where God has meant for us to be all along. The call from Jesus to get away comes from, comes from the, the need of us to simply be with one another, to spend time sharing food, to spend time centering ourselves. We often forget that as the church, it's important for us to be in the community together without a standard purpose, without um, an event, but to listen and to spend time and to experience and also receive compassion. It's often easier to plan events, plan outings or things to do. Being is where the community is built. The community of the Israelites were built in the wilderness. The community of the disciples were built in the wilderness, in this place where they went to slow down, or the place in which they went to hear one another's stories. So let's help one another remember to spend time in Sabbath. Let's help one another to discover and rediscover the peace of God.